Podcast. Broadcasting to Harry Potter fans around the world for more than 11 years. Join Terence Pinkston, Bailey Riddle, Luke Hogan, Gretchen Rush, and Alex Lohman as they take the wizarding world by storm. This is Hogwarts Radio. Stay classy, Hogwarts. This is Hogwarts Radio, episode 263 for June 26, 2020. Hogwarts Radio is the official podcast for Wizarding News and brought to you by Drawbridge Media, discussing all things about the Wizarding World. Check out previous episodes of the podcast by visiting HogwartsRadio.com. Welcome to episode 263. I'm Terrence Pinkston. I'm Bailey Riddle. I'm Gretchen Rush. And I'm Sydney Mook. Hogwarts Radio can be found anywhere you get your podcasts online. It doesn't matter where you listen, just be sure to click subscribe and you'll have a new episode as soon as it's released. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to get in on the fun with other listeners and fans of the series. And finally, join the Unfoundables, an exclusive companion to our podcast. Get Unfound today at patreon.com slash unfoundables. You know, guys, in this crazy, crazy world that we're living right that we're living in right now, Dumbledore would have taken 200 points from Slytherin for breaking social distancing rules, but given 500 points to Gryffindor. What up for being brave enough to hug during these trying times? Is that like the most accurate thing you guys have ever heard? Oh yes, and the Hufflepuffs will be going around, and the Ravenclaws honestly will be going around and telling everyone, "Stay away from each other. You can't get that close." While while wearing their masks, I I I hope. Oh, the Hufflepuffs would have the best masks. The best. That's all I've got to say for my people. What kind of masks would Hufflepuffs wear? Oh, they'd be so like artsy and beautiful and like really fun colors. Could you imagine the color-changing, like, magic masks? Oh, that's so cool. Those would be really I'm just thinking about, like, the pins that they wore in Goblet of Fire that changed all the time, and your mask could do that. You know, Death Eaters have been saying, like, oh, we've been wearing these for years, guys. Masks are just catching on now. No joke, I was thinking about that True earlier story. today, about how that is, that's prime, like, Lucius Malfoy going around and being like, been wearing a mask for years, and now, <laughs> now people are wearing masks? What the heck? Death Eaters are like, we've been wearing masks since, non- since before it was cool. <laughs> and you've got all the non-Death Eaters going around like, uh, guys, you know, it doesn't have to cover your entire face, right? <laughs> it only needs to cover your nose and mouth. <laughs> Well, unless you're like going with the Goblet of Fire Death Eater mask where it covers the wrong half of the face. I mean, it covered their nose. Okay, that's true. That's true. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, that statement about Dumbledore. Pretty, pretty darn true. Well, before we get started today, we want to really thank you guys, everybody listening out there. We appreciate the support that you have showed us regarding the last two episodes we released. They were two very difficult issues to tackle for us, and while outlining these episodes, we wanted to make sure that people understood what the issues were and how we can help people understand them that really needed that additional uh, explanation. So what we hope is that everyone was able to take something away from both of the conversations that we had. Yeah, it was great to see all the support um, from folks 
all the, the tweets and uh, I think I saw a couple of Facebook comments. So it, it was great to see. I know that I, I walked away learning a lot from both episodes. So I, I hope other people uh, did the same. All right. Well, you know, it's it's been a while. Um, and, and number one, it's been a while since Gretchen has been on other than the last two episodes. Should we say that? Like, first and foremost, let's congratulate Gretchen because she, she grew up and she got engaged. So <laughs> congratulations, Gretchen, on your engagement. Thank you so much. She You're got welcome. a house. You bought a house. <laughs> got a house. Got a fiance. I'm moving up in the world. Whoa, whoa. You're moving too fast. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like a Rodney Dangerfield moment. Whoa. That You're moving little, too yeah. fast. <laughs> <laughs> little Rodney right there. No, it's good to be back, though. I know I, I felt very relieved coming to this episode because, like you said, the last two were were hard for us. They were difficult topics to tackle. And I felt like I really had to go into those having done a bit of research and tried to do some work heading into it. And for this one, I was like, I'm not even going to see what we're talking about. I'm sure it's something fun. And it is, so I'm not worried. Okay. Okay. Well, one thing you did prepare for is uh, the news. And there's been just a few news stories that uh, we need to update everybody on. Yes. And this is stuff that hasn't happened um, too recently. You know, we are trying to kind of catch up on the news cycle. So some of it you may have already heard. But the first thing we wanted to talk about was how Universal Studios in Florida reopened. So people at the beginning of this month could start going back to the Wizarding World and riding the rides and wearing their masks and social distancing. So... I mean, if you were planning on booking a Universal trip or you already had one booked, you can still go. So is anyone planning to go to Universal now that it's back open? Hard pass. <laughs> it's pretty tough for me to go to Universal. I'd have to like also hop on a plane and I'm already like hard pass on getting on a plane <laughs> until there's a vaccine. So extra hard pass on the- See, we've got, we've got all different kinds of ends of the spectrum here because I am- more than likely going to Universal in about a month. Um, we're, we're, actually, my wife and I were in the process of booking our Disney tickets. Um, right now, we ha- you know we have the annual pass with Disney World, and since they announced that Disney is going to be reopening, we thought, hey, why not? This is a, a great time for us to go and uh, start utilizing these passes um, more so than what we already have. Um, and I figure, look, because we we never know when we're going to be getting out of this thing, right? Um, there's no vaccine for it. There's barely any treatments, absolutely no cure uh, whatsoever. So it's like, well, how long are we going to have to live like this? And is this going to be our new normal? So that's the kind of reasoning that we that we decided to go with when we were booking our trip. Um, and if we can't get into Disney, we are definitely going to Universal. Um, so we're we're going to be going, I think, like middle of next month. And I'm excited to kind of get back to the theme park. Number one, it's been a couple of years since I've been there. Uh, but number two, I really just want to, you know, just get, I want to go home. You know, that's the thing. Like, I want to go back to Hogwarts. Um, and I figure, like, if 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 I, if we practice, you know, our social distancing, we're wearing our masks, you know, we we watch what we touch and, and things like that. We minimize, you know, our, our contact with people around us and do, like, contactless payments and stuff like that. I figure, you know, we're, we're definitely taking the appropriate precautions 
to minimize our risk of getting it. You are living on the edge, Terrence. I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying with wanting to go home. And like, obviously, Leaky Khan was supposed to be in Orlando this year. And for the most part, the majority of us were, were planning on going. And now that's been postponed. And I'm really sad about not getting to go back to the theme park in Orlando because it has been so long. But I, I just don't know that I feel comfortable going back to a theme park yet. I mean, as of the time we started recording this, Disneyland in California has already announced that they are going to have to postpone their reopening due to the rising COVID cases in California. And currently, California is not letting any theme parks even think about opening until after July 4th when they'll release the guidelines. And so it's just so interesting to see the, the different thoughts on each side of the country. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, cases are rising in, in California right now because in, I mean, cases are rising in Texas. Uh, cases are rising in Florida. And we're not talking about just rising at a, you know, a slow rate. We're, as I was talking to Sydney before we started recording, this is actually our first wave um, of the virus because we didn't get it beforehand. Uh, yeah, it was like very small, very minute. And that's why they said, yeah, go ahead and open up everything again. And now really businesses and, and individuals are paying the price uh, for this because it's going to be next to impossible to be able to shut everything down again. So, you know, I kind of applaud Disneyland for really having um, the, the nerve to say, you know what, we've got to postpone our opening um, a couple of days, you know, I'm sorry, this is an inconvenience, but we're, you know, we're really thinking about this health and safety of our uh, associates of our customers and the communities um, as well. That being said, I mean, on the opposite end of the country, you know, everything's opening up. And like I said, you know, people are going to go and I'm I'm one of those people. I just feel like, you know, if I'm if I'm careful enough, <laughs> I mean, I know it's a risky move. It's a gutsy move. But I also think that I'm 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 pretty in tune with my surroundings, and um, you know it's it's a different. I mean, it's going to be a different experience. Sure, I know that. But you know, th then we have people like that they wouldn't even think about going out at all until this thing passes. Yeah, I know some people that they still haven't really like hardly left their like houses since all of this started. So I'm sure like them thinking about going to like. A highly populated like theme park is like terrifying to them but um i don't know you know i wonder how many people have been going to the park thus far i'm sure it's definitely not as many as before but i also hope that those people that go and are able to are quarantining after they get home at the very least for for a couple of weeks you know if they have that ability yeah, I mean, and that's the, that's the key phrase right there, right? If they have the ability to be able to do that. Now, I know some of the precautions that Universal is taking um, to, you know, to help minimize the spread. And that's what a lot of businesses nowadays are taking is um, not only do you have the social distancing guidelines with the six feet um, in between, um, but you also have them taking your temperature uh, whenever you get to the park. You know, you've got um, all, all kinds of marketing all around saying, you know, please be respectful of others and distance and 
Um, you know, if you have to sneeze, sneeze into your elbow, things like that, you, you know, just the general um, social distancing and safety tips. You know, like I said, some people are going to feel comfortable and, and that that's going to be enough for them. Other people are just going to say, you know, what, I'm not going to take that risk um, at all. And I'm kind of wondering, like, what, uh, what's the wizarding world going to look like? You know, is because that that theme park or both of the, both of the parks, they're kind of small. Sure, but that the, both of those parks are so used to people packed into those small spaces. So I'm kind of wondering how they're doing that crowd control, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to put up signs all over the place to say, you know, please respect people's distance and stay away from each other, stay six feet apart from other groups. But I mean, even in California here, where we're still relatively under a tight lockdown because cases are on the rise you go to the grocery store and the person behind you in line is standing a foot away from you at most and you just want to turn around and say uh can you please back up you are not six feet away from me so i think the people who really care and are concerned about minimizing the spread not getting them themselves are, are going to be the ones who are going to follow the rules and really try and do their part and i think that the people who don't care and don't think it's a big issue are still going to be the people who are in your space and not respecting your boundaries. You know, there was uh, a, a video online that circulated about a week ago. I want to say I saw it on Twitter um, and I don't remember the account that I saw it from because it had been retweeted so many times, but it was the queue at Hagrid's magical motorbike adventure um, and people uh, the 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 universal employee was telling the people fill it in fill it in fill it in and <laughs> you cannot fill it in whenever you're trying to social distance um, but then you had people you know going on the defensive and saying well the line was always moving and this but then you had people come back and saying no we were stopped and you know they were telling us just to fill in all the empty space I mean it seems kind of irresponsible at that point for you know that that employee to be able to encourage no social distancing whatsoever i don't know if anybody else saw that yeah i've not i've not seen that but it does sound highly irresponsible and i think that if they are able to identify what employee is is telling people to disregard social distancing guidelines then that employee should be held responsible i or their manager or whoever is giving them this directive that they shouldn't be following what the cdc is recommending well, whenever you're next headed to the park, you may be able to check out a new expansion. There have been some rumors circulating around about Epic Universe, which we've talked about before. So that's the new park that they're adding to Universal Orlando. Um, and now they're theorizing that it will have two Ministries of Magic. Um, so I guess it's been confirmed that there will be at least something in it for the Wizarding World. And Orlando Park Stop is speculating that it's going to be both the French Ministry of Magic and the British Ministry of Magic. I don't know why they're thinking the French. Um, don't know where that's coming from. But yeah. they're they're guessing that both are going to be there. So what do you guys think about seeing one or possibly two Ministries of Magic at the expansion? So there's no... Mini I haven't been to the parks before. So there's no Ministry of Magic there now, right? No, not at all. Correct. I think it'd be cool to see the British one, but I mean the French one looked really cool from the uh, from the Fantastic Beast movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, like 
so it, it, we we kind of grew up with the British Ministry of Magic, right? And in, in all of the films and um and seeing that on the big screen, but uh, you know the French Ministry of Magic has a really beautiful aesthetic to it with the uh, the stained glass up there, uh, up on the top, the dome um, with all the different, what was it, beasts and stuff. I need to do a rewatch of, of Crimes of Grindelwald, but it looked really cool on the screen and how people actually got into it. Actually, it, it, re- it looked really cool, but I don't know how credible this would actually really be because what's the point of having two? <laughs> I don't, I mean, other than, yeah, it's nice to see. And if you ask any any Harry Potter enthusiast out there, they'd be like, oh my God, yes, both of them, put both of them because they would look so amazing and I would go and visit both. I'm, I mean, yeah, they would obviously get a lot of traffic to both both areas, but like there's many other lands in, in this thing and they're not just really going to be putting a focus on the um, Fantastic Beasts expansion. So I don't know. Um, cool to see both of them. Realistic? Mm, probably not. Well, I, I feel like if you're going to put in two ministries of magic, doesn't it make more sense to put in the British ministry and Macusa? I mean, it, it's not quite as beautiful as the French ministry, but to me, that's kind of where the Fantastic Beasts universe starts. It gets its its start. And so I think that makes a little more sense than the French ministry. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's actually pretty true, but... I mean, we haven't seen too much Makuza. I mean, we we have, yes, but like what we've seen has been dark, and we've maybe seen a couple of chambers and stuff like that. I mean, well, same thing with the British Ministry. It's just I don't know. I mean, there's so much that they could do because, like, if they put in the British Ministry of Magic, I could see a Department of Mysteries ride, or you go in through the lift, and that's the ride, and you're visiting like all the different departments and stuff like that. I think that would be, you know, kind of a cool thing. Um, but again, I mean, I'm just coming back to like, I don't see the point of putting two. No. Yeah, I agree. I think it'd be really cool to have a British, um, ministry of magic though. I mean, like I could totally picture like some sort of, like you said, Terrence, like a ride through all the departments or, or, or something really neat like that. But I don't know. I don't know. Be interesting. Do we know, like there hasn't been any more about it. It's just a rumor at this point though. Right. Yeah, this is all we know right now. So we'll have to see if it comes to light soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next bit of news we wanted to talk about was that Rafe Fiennes, who obviously played Voldemort in the movies, is going to play Miss Trunchbull in the screen adaptation of Matilda the Musical. This was announced recently. We don't yet know when this movie will be coming out. Um, and we don't know who else is even in it, really, at this point. Um, so this is kind of the only news we've got on it. But if you're familiar with the stage version of Matilda, which premiered in the West End and was also on Broadway, Trunchbull is always played by a man. So it makes sense that Ray Fiennes has been cast in this role. Didn't Aunt Marge play... Um, I can't think of that actor's, actress's name right now. Pam but Harris. Didn't... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was the original, right? She was the one in the 1996 uh, film with Mara Wilson, and that's a pretty cool little connection right there to, to Potter. And uh, I can definitely see Pam Harris in that type of a role. Oh my god! And then whenever she was cast as as um, Aunt Marge, it just made more sense. It'll be super cool because I don't think we've seen Ray Fiennes in such a dynamic role i mean trunchbull is just this like this ruthless person sure we've seen i mean we've seen ray fines play you know bad p 
people before, um, and he does a terrific job at it, but I've never seen him like play the kind of role that is called for uh, for Miss Trunchbull, because she's like this this big old hefty 250 pound built buff you know principal that's always bullying the little kids and stuff like that and i don't know i think it'd just be interesting to see ray in that type of a role it's funny it just made me think of um my local production of the nutcracker every year at the holidays and mother ginger is always played by a gentleman and i don't know if that's something where it's just a ballet thing in general or if it's just our local production but so that it, it's really cool to see these sort of things where you know to heck with the rules do what you want yeah yeah we will keep everyone updated on matilda the musical the movie as soon as we get more information uh next we wanted to congratulate rupert grant who with his girlfriend georgia groom welcomed their first child so congratulations to rupert and georgia you know whenever i first read this i was like oh my god rupert's a dad already what? And then I've got to realize like these these actors are like 30 years old now, right? So it's like really not that shocking. But, you know, I'm I always picture Rupert as like, you know, little Ron Weasley. And oh, I can't believe he's already all grown up and making babies and stuff like that. That is that is just so adorable. And I am so happy for him. I really am. It's and, and a happy belated Father's Day to Rupert. Oh, my God. Yeah. You got his first father's day this wow wonderful timing there it is yeah it's funny too that you say that terrence because dan ragliffe had kind of a similar reaction he said quote i texted him the other day i'm so happy for him it's very very cool it's also like super weird for me to think that we are all at the age where we are having children but we definitely are <laughs> i wonder They're if it calls him like strange like uncle dan or something uncle dan uncle dan aunt emma yeah. auntie emma oh <laughs> cute did um congratulations yeah did did, do we know a name yet no there's there's no name i I think they're keeping it private i got you okay yeah it's a little baby oh little rupert baby little ginger baby oh ginger baby yeah and the last bit of news we wanted to cover uh in this kind of extended news cycle here that we're doing is uh, i'm sure everyone's seen it by now but we wanted to mention the read-along of sorcerer's stone that's going on so if you haven't seen it you can just go to wizardingworld.com it is i think and check out all the videos of stars reading chapters of sorcerer's stone or philosopher's stone just depending on which copy they have so it was kicked off with daniel radcliffe he read the first chapter it was absolutely amazing um it went on from there they had noma Dumezweni, they had eddie redmayne stephen fry bonnie wright and ivana lynch did a chapter together kind of the whole cast of cursed child joined up for a chapter olivia coleman with a few guest stars alia bot and Alec Baldwin had a chapter, Allison Siddle and Dan Fogler. Whoopi Goldberg had her own chapter. And then the last one we have had recently is David Tennant and David Beckham. So they're up through chapter 11. You can check out the videos on the website. Or if you go on Spotify, they have a podcast version of it. It's like I listen to it while I run. It's just a lot of fun. It's kind of a nice way to reconnect with the books if you're listening again or if you're a first time reader or listener it's a cool way to experience the story did anybody else like get chills that that dan jumped back into the harry potter universe and so directly i mean right down to the source material like he was the one that kicked this thing off and i i was just 
I mean, I could listen to him read the whole book. It felt so nice. Seriously. Yeah, it was it was cool. The the first chapter, like listening to that, it like almost made me like tear up listening to it. Thinking of like those like two worlds, even though it's like the same world, like colliding. It, it was it was neat. You know, it's it's so funny because I've been meaning to listen to these since they started releasing, and I've just been so busy that I've not listened to them yet. Uh, so perhaps that'll be this this weekend's homework to catch up for next week's episode. <laughs> I try and listen to them or like have listened to them in the past while while going to bed. If memory serves me correctly, this is actually the first the first Potter related thing that Dan has done since the end of Deathly Hallows Part Two. Just anything Potter. Didn't he come back for one of the um, the theme park videos? Oh, that's right. Whenever Forbidden Journey, but th- weren't they still in the process of just kind of wrapping everything Forbidden up? Forbidden Journey was still while they were filming the films i believe because i think universal orlando opened that in 2014 but um escape from gringotts doesn't doesn't that have something maybe not do you mean like is he in the ride because he's in that ride Mm -hmm. yeah in the video for that ride yep he is okay yeah, so that was absolutely after the movies were done then. Okay, well, very cool. In the spirit of kind of catching up with things here, um, our our discussion is really going to be centered around just a couple of questions that I've noticed that people have asked online recently. Um, and they, they're kind of basic questions a little bit, but at the same time, I was surprised at the amount of people that really were not, I guess, as connected as we are, because, you know, for God's sake, we live in a Potter bubble. You know, I feel like, oh my God, you don't know this. <laughs> and, and and I I, I I have to remember that, you know, we eat, breathe, and drink Harry Potter. Like, that that's our life, right? But there's people out there that, that are fans and that, you know, are pretty big fans, but have no idea that you know, some of these things uh, actually went on or some of these questions have been resolved or answered and things like that. What I kind of want to visit today, the first one is, uh, this is according to an article over at Cinema Blend, and eight reasons why Harry Potter should be turned into an HBO Max series. And we've had this discussion before about why Harry Potter you know, isn't uh, why it should be its own like Netflix series or anything like that. But then I got to thinking, oh my God, HBO Max, like visions of Game of Thrones done dance through my head at that point, you know? And I thought, well, if it's, if it's, if anybody can do it, if anybody has the power and, and the money and, you know, the talent to be able to do it right, it's going to be HBO Max. So, one of the reasons, yes, all of the all of the books are already written. That's that's number one. That's a very very important part. Um, but number two, um, it's been almost a decade since the last Harry Potter movie has been released. I know we all feel really old right now. A decade, you guys. Um, do we feel like at this point? Let me dig into the question. Let me ask the panel. Uh, could the series do with a refresh? Not yet. It's too soon. If you want to do some sort of spin-off, prequel, something that's not related to Harry and his story, absolutely, yes, go ahead and produce that. But it, it's only been 10 years since we finished the original film series, and it, it, give it another 
30 years before you go reboot it like let's not rush into this and can you imagine the technology that'll be available in 30 years to do this kind of thing yeah I, I think that I agree I think that I've decided that and I probably have changed my mind on this so many times but I think I finally decided that I don't know if I want a Harry Potter TV show unless it's law and Order, and then I will watch the <laughs> heck out of that <laughs> but I just I don't feel the need at this point uh, to go back and and relive all of that and kind of fix all of the the movie mistakes and whatnot I'm pretty content at this point without a tv series would it be cool would I watch it probably but I, I don't I don't want it the Quidditch files yeah I kind of agree with everyone else I think if it was something new I would be into it, but I definitely don't want to reboot. And it's funny that you bring this up because um, they kind of announced, uh, it's like a very preliminary announcement that there's going to be a Percy Jackson series on Disney Plus. And fans are thrilled about that because that movie was an absolute train wreck disaster. So people are really, really excited that it's getting a chance to be rebooted and to be a show and they're hoping that it does it justice. Um, so I think in that case, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like that movie was not that long ago, but it was trash. Sorry to those people. Um, so that is a great reason to reboot. I think our movies, solid, beautiful, almost all great. Um, we're good. We're good for now. You you just got me going off of another discussion topic here, and I'm I'm going to save it, but I'm going to tease it. Um, and and it's why Harry Potter, why Disney hasn't decided to buy Harry Potter yet. And there's a there's an incredible story behind that. Um, if you guys want to research that online, but uh, that's something we'll be discussing in the very near future, I think. And whenever you mentioned the whole Percy Jackson thing, that's how it reminded me. <laughs> Okay, so number three, uh, people have expected a Harry Potter TV series remake for some time. Now, even whenever the original run of the films in the theaters would, would being released, fans joked about how a TV series adaptation of Harry Potter would eventually right those supported wrong, or their supposed wrongs. And if HBO Max were to announce a brand new series this very moment, not even Daniel Radcliffe himself would bat nigh in surprise, uh, as this is a moment people have anticipated for some time now, which just leaves the either shock or delight of scorn of disapproval to be had by those attached to their memories of the franchise. So some will support it, and some are looking for it. It's just the fan, the kind of fans that we are, it's, it's really hit or miss. <laughs> it is. I think it would be cool, but at the same time, you know, I understand why we would need to wait. And to Bailey's point, let the technology catch up to the magic, for God's sakes. Yeah, and, and my thing is, like, like, why do we need a, a reboot at this point? You know, what, what do you... What do you get out of it that you didn't get out of the first, you know, set of of movies? You know, what what does it add to have it? Um, I don't know. I feel like we're always in this like like redo culture. Like, there's like a lot of old movies that are are being remade right now. Like, they're gonna do it a another Space Jam, and Space Jam is like sacred in my heart. <laughs> so I, I don't want them to touch that but like people people get people would also i feel like just find a reason to get mad at whatever tv series if they do make it or when they do make it i mean like look at the last season of like game of thrones which is pretty divisive and people hate it for the 
most people kind of hate that last season and they wanted to do a they wanted them to redo the last season of Game of Thrones. So like, what are they going to, are we going to have petitions then to redo the like Order of the Phoenix season of this Harry Potter TV show? Like I can just see this going all sorts of like terrible ways. Um, And it, that's the next point here. There's a lot of material that was never adapted into the Harry Potter movies, which we touched on here um, earlier, but an HBO Max series would allow the stories like Hermione's work pertaining to how self-rights and characters like the mischievous poltergeist Peeves to be reintegrated into the proper places in the story. I mean, there's a lot that they can flush out, obviously. I mean, you could we had said this before, you can treat each book as its own season um, and really give the source material, you know, a good run for its money in, in the sense that you can put a lot of the stuff in that you know but then there's a lot of see the, I, i'm coming back to it and there's a lot of dry places in the books too so <laughs> there's a lot of places where i like oh i have to get through this to get to the good stuff um so i i know I, I can see where that works okay the the next point here um fantastic beast film franchise could easily be tied into the harry potter series what do we think about that no do we want to do we want to mash the two franchises in or is it, have, or is it an inev inevitable tie-in? What do they even mean? Like, are they thinking like a Witcher type thing where it's separate timelines? Like, I don't see the point in that. I guess they're looking at the bigger picture, like the Wizarding World, as you know, a series. I mean, not just Harry Potter, but like we'll get to the next point here, which is going to tie into it. But like a, a, the larger picture, like um, they can say, oh, we're going to do a spinoff of the Fantastic Beasts franchise and it's going to be like a prequel series much like the star wars films were and stuff like that um or they're going to go forward and they're going to do a, a harry potter and the cursed child spin-off of the series and, and they can think of different ways to kind of keep it going like that because there's there's enough material to be able to you know put many many seasons of a tv show about these adventures together don't want also like a tv show just for the sake of having a tv show like just because they could do it and it, it would probably like look really great and it would probably be like pretty good like i, I don't want it just to like have it i, I want a, a reason for it and i don't know like i think i'm okay with the fantastic beast series and the potter, potter series being separated but clearly there being like a couple of threads there that you're you're able to kind of connect on your own. I don't think I need it to be super explicitly, you know, tied together. Um, and then the last point really with this is that the author could make changes or adjustments to the story if she wanted to, which, no, you can't. <laughs> Sorry, you can't do that. You can't change the source material. Um, and I don't even know why that's a, that's a good reason uh, for that, and it's listed in this article. But that's a horrible, horrible idea. That is that. That's like you. You would be shredding the story at that point. You'd be shredding the integrity of the source material at that point, and people would be pissed off. Well, the only logic I see there is that she kind of has been adding things. Like she keeps adding to canon, even so many years after the books are out. So, like this would give her the chance to make it more of a film canon as well. So, like Dumbledore could be gay 
in the series or whatever, you know, like all these things that she said later, she would have the chance to put into this series. Not that it matters though, because she's already said it. It's already canon. Like, but she, yeah, I agree. You don't go making any other changes. Like if you didn't do it right the first time, like, sorry, you can't change it now. This isn't up for editing. There are no do-overs. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my God. Well, fun stuff. We invite you to guys to go check out that. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes to the Cinema Blend article, um, and you can view some of the comments uh, up underneath. And okay, let's move into another one. This is gonna this is gonna generate a lot of like, what the heck? Like, what were they thinking? Um, Percy Weasley should have been the only Weasley put into Slytherin. Thoughts before we dump into the uh, before we dive into the reasons behind it. Young Percy, absolutely. That guy was a tool, and I mean, everything we know of Young Percy, he is only in things for himself. He just wants to advance himself and his career, and to heck with my family. And if I may or may not step on them on the way to potential greatness but i think over time percy does kind of learn that it's not all about me and it's not all about what i can get for myself and does he ever become that that gryffindor level of brave well maybe maybe not but young percy absolutely should have been a slytherin so he continually pursued greatness rather than having the bravery to stand up to a corrupt administration for one. <laughs> That's a pretty big one, you know? Um, and sure, he came around in the end, but we also saw some of the changes in a few of the Slytherins by the end as well, notably Draco Malfoy. So I don't... I I see a lot of Dumbledore in Percy. I really do. I don't know... Um, I mean, I know exactly why, because in the in the beginning, whenever Dumbledore was Percy's age, he pursued greatness. And then whenever he found out that Grindelwald was, you know, kind of messing around with things that he, he decided, oh, no, this isn't uh, this isn't what I signed up for. But Percy was just really he was career driven, but he would step on anybody to get what he wanted. And I don't think that's a very good trait for a Gryffindor. I don't think it's a trait that Gryffindors would possess. I have a tough time with this. Um, I just don't find Percy's like entire personality through like most of the books. I just don't really believe that he entirely believes in what he's doing. I think he does it because he thinks it's going to get him somewhere, which is a little, it, which is definitely a Slytherin trait. But I just don't really, I don't know. Here's, I struggle with Percy as a character in general. Here's a like, thought. No. Here's a thought. What if Percy was a hat stall? And whenever he whenever he first came to Hogwarts, right? Hat stall. Sorting hat couldn't decide where to put him. But for sake of following the family and the, the house that the family had been in, he chose Gryffindor. When in actuality, that should not have been the house that he was best suited for. Thoughts on that? I could see that. I could definitely see that, actually. I think that Percy's just, I don't know, he's just such an odd character. And it's so, for me, hard to, like, articulate, like, who he is as a person. But I, I just, like I said earlier, I have a tough time believing that he actually believes what he's doing. 
you know, I feel like he just kind of takes his orders in a lot of ways and just goes with it. And he's just trying to get where he wants to go. But I, I don't find him to be like overly cunning, which I think is like a pretty strong Slytherin trait. So yeah. I, I don't know. Well, for him to have been a hat stall and chosen Gryffindor, wouldn't one of his two choices of what he was hat stalled in had to have already been Gryffindor? So clearly there was there was something within him, even if he was a hat stall, that screamed daring and bravery. I don't think we ever got to see that, did we? I mean, can we argue maybe in the Battle of Hogwarts, but we really didn't see too, too much of him there. We need Chris Rankin to, uh, to, to weigh in here. <laughs> I know. Someone get in touch with Chris. We, get we him did. on the show. <laughs> it's been a while since he's been on, too. Yeah. Um, you know, I just... I. I Maybe this is a discussion for, for another day, perhaps, I, you know, so as we can, you know, maybe do a deep dive into Percy's character. Uh, maybe maybe he he did possess because it takes a great deal of, of bravery to stand up to your enemies, but even more so to stand up to your friends. Well, I wonder if that could translate into family because he stood up to Arthur, you know, and he pushed back on Arthur. So I maybe i mean that's a that's where i can stretch it that's as far as i can stretch it like right now because i mean that's that's it that's 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 all we know about him really oh boy what a uh, what a question what a debacle okay i guess the last question i wanted to ask you guys today is why didn't harry accio the golden egg from the first task <laughs> to me it just feels like everybody's silent and i'm just like i'm i'm i my my legitimate is like going into everybody's mind right now and everybody's thinking the same thing because he was an idiot that's the thing <laughs> that's I mean, there I mean, had to have been some sort of rule in place where, like, you couldn't do something so basic, right? I, I'm sure it just makes too like, much sense. Yeah, I'm sure there was, like, an anti-summoning charm or something like that, like, on the egg also. Because the tournament is, like, meant for, like, what, like, sixth and seventh years or seventh years? So, like, mm -hmm. they would have been, like, heck, you know. Well, it's really easy. Yeah, and he knew... He knew what the task was, so it's not like he was like, oh, I will Accio my broomstick because I'm going to Accio something. Like, he knew that he needed to get the egg, so I think it must have somehow he knew that he couldn't just summon the egg. I don't know how he knew that, but he must have known that he couldn't just do that, and so he decided to summon the broom because it was the whole well, thing. His Harry Potter knows everything. Well, it took him so long to figure out that you should summon his broom, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, I guess also Harry didn't try echoing the the egg, so maybe he could. You know, Harry's not the always the the brightest. He doesn't come to the easiest conclusion. Um, also, no, this... he likes the roundabout way. <laughs> Very true. But also, I wonder if you can't Accio the egg because it's got a living creature inside it. You can't Accio like people or animals, right? Did... Unless it's a well, That's a good the question. Egg didn't have a living creature. What do you mean? It, it was the golden dragon egg that opened and had the message. It wasn't oh, a real egg. You're right. It's not a real egg. Oh. These creatures. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the book plot. You're right, Bailey. All right, never mind. That that was a dumb Harry thought right there. Oh my god. <laughs> After she just got through saying, yeah, like he's not the brightest one in the box. 
I mean, do we need to qualify Harry thoughts as dumb or are they just Harry thoughts? They're just Harry thoughts. Yeah. They're just Harry thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't, what was it? It was on like a big old like rock thing. You couldn't have just like accioed the entire platform or the entire thing. Like the entire rock formation. Well, that would hurt well, if you got hit with that. There was a dragon on top of it too. That's true. <laughs> okay, that whole dragon thing just got me really screwed Akio up. Okay. Go dragon. Go <laughs> <Akio> dragon. <laughs> oh god, that would hurt. That would really hurt. Uh. Okay. Well, before we wrap up today's episode, we're gonna play Avada Kedavra, Amortentia Imperio, the Wizarding World's version of Screw, Mary Kill. I'm gonna go ahead and give to Sydney this time. Sydney will give to Bailey, Bailey will give to Gretchen, and Gretchen will give to me. So Sydney, your three characters are going to be Zachariah Smith, Blaze Zambini, and Katie Bell. Amortentia, uh, Zachariah Smith. I don't, I don't really have a particular reason why, if I'm being real. Avada Kedavra Blaze, obviously. Not a, not a cool dude. Okay, like we're, we're not down with that guy. And who was the other one? Uh, Katie Bell. It was, yeah, Katie Bell, Zachariah Smith, and um, Blaze and Beanie. I mean, poor Katie Bell, but we're going we're gonna to have to imperio her. <laughs> she's used to it, right? She's used to it. She's been through it before. Nothing oh my new. She'll be fine. Goodness gracious. Sorry, Katie. Didn't deserve that, but what I put you here. So am I going next? Yeah, you'll give to Bailey. Okay. I just have my copy of the the illustrated edition of Prisoner of Man, So I'm gonna open to a random page <laughs> and I'm just gonna choose and hope there are three character names. Exactly. <laughs> and then we're gonna find the first three character names and that's who you're getting. So I'm sure one will be Harry, but well we'll find out. We got oh yeah, we've we've got we got Harry, of course. We've got oh Malfoy and uh you can pick between Crab and Goyle. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, what a choice. Thanks, Sid. <laughs> All three of those young men. This is only how I'm playing uh, this game from now on. Is, is like, I, I love your methodology here, and I'm really, I'm going to adopt it the next time that we play this game. I will go grab a random Potter book and choose from there. Um, okay, so I am going to... Look at that. Crab, a, crab and crab Goyle. And Ooh. I'm going to do both of them because <laughs> they're both worthless. <laughs> Um, I am going to Imperio Harry Potter to convince Hermione to do my homework, and I will Amortentia Draco Malfoy. Oh, gonna fall in love with the Draco Meister, huh? You know, sometimes I like a rebel. Hmm, Bailey Malfoy, <laughs> that has a ring to it. <laughs> Sounds a lot better than Bailey Potter. And I mean, my last name is Riddle. I can't go to the light side. I've got to stay dark, right? I mean, do we think that Malfoy would want to adopt your last name, though? Draco Riddle? Probably. Draco Riddle. Wow. That's... Sounds like a rug. Sounds like a Rugrats character name. Draco Riddle. I don't know. Never mind. (laughs) All right, Grushers, are you ready? No. (laughs) I mean, I can don't sound so again. worried. I'm not going to give you terrible people. All right, sure. Okay, we've got Victor Crumb, Cormac McClagan, mm-hmm. and Ron Weasley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> wonderful choices. Cool, 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 cool. Um, that's a pretty easy Avada Kedavra, I think. Cormac McLagan, obviously. Um, I will Imperial Crumb because he can fly really well. He can like, fly and get me snacks and stuff. Um, and then I'll Amortensio Ron because he's fun. That's all. Fly and get you snacks. <laughs> fly and get me it. snacks. <laughs> What else could I need him to get? That's all I need in life. Oh my books gosh. Books and books. Snacks and books. You're exactly right. Snacks and books. That's all I need. Y'all are, y'all are too much for me. All right, Terrence. I'm really tired, so this is the first three characters that came to mind. Originally, I was going to do Harry, Ron, Hermione, but someone already did Harry, so it's a slight step up from just doing the Golden Trio. Great. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. So you get Ginny Weasley, Luna Lovegood, and Dobby. Oh, oh. So I'm going to Imperio Dobby because I love that house elf magic, you know, and it's something that wizards, they're not bound by like wizard law or wizard rules or anything like that. So I definitely Imperio him to do my uh, bidding. That would be awesome. I am going to Amortentia Luna because she's such a free spirit. Um, and I love Luna to death. I love the kid. I love her character, uh, you know, and who, who wouldn't want, you know, like a girlfriend with radishes as earrings that would complete any ensemble there. Um, and then I'm going to Vada Kedavra Jenny because <laughs> but as if the Weasley family needed more tragedy, right? Um, I am going to, yeah, I'm going to Vada Kedavra Jenny because guys, I don't, I just don't really like Jenny Weasley. I don't. I, I just, I don't like her character. Uh, she felt kind of pointless. She really didn't come into her own. It, like, she was responsible for, in today's, let's, like, in today's um, world, it'd be like the equivalent of opening an app and chatting with a stranger and then letting them suck your soul in, right, into the iPad or something. Um, so she is very dangerous. Um, she doesn't play by anybody's rules, and I'm not about that. You're going to get people hurt and killed. Like, she almost got Harry killed. And Fox had to swoop in and save the day. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. She was also 11. So let's just, let's just keep that in mind, though, when that was all going down. She was 11. So, I mean. Who knows what you would have done when you were 11, Terrence? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Um, so we're going to play another game called Flavors of Potter. And we used to play this game about 10 years ago on the show. We're going to go ahead and bring it back this episode. Now, in the spirit of summer, the hosts are going to guess which flavor ice cream different Potter characters would taste like. Well, today's character we're going to talk about is Pomona Sprouts. Professor Sprouts, what flavor ice cream would she taste like? This is so easy. You know what's really hip right now? Like a basil ice cream. Oh, yeah. Basil like the ice herbaceous, cream. Yeah, like the herbaceous ice mm-hmm. cream is real hip right now. Like rose and, and all sorts of herbs. So I think she'd definitely be like a floral or herby type of fresh, very um, expensive, very delicious, um, and very light ice cream. Yeah, maybe like a nice like lavender. Like yes. I feel like lavender and basil don't go together, but a good like no. lavender. Yes, one scoop lavender, one scoop basil. Oh, a little bit of mint, maybe. A little bit of mint. Mm. (laughs) I I don't know. We're on to something here. I I was actually, you guys, I I can't know. Whatever happened to like strawberry vanilla and like all that other stuff? Now we're talking about rose and mint and basil, and I'm just like, oh my god, y'all y'all are talking about like ingredients I put into 
like food whenever I cook, you know. So do you know the era we live in, Terrence? I, Everything has to be just a little bit bougie. Well, I'm surprised there isn't like an avocado ice cream. To be honest with you, okay. Oh, you think there isn't? Oh, there is. I one thousand percent. I would bet at least a hundred dollars there is. Like, I mean, Ben and Jerry's are they on like the avocado awesomeness train or something? Would that be an ice cream flavor that they have? I don't know. Um, but, not, I'm sure they will. But for me, like, Professor Sprout would taste like a kombucha ice cream, like that kind of a flavor. I don't know. Gretchen, can you see that? Kombucha? Yeah, there you go. Kombu- kombucha. Kombucha. Sorry. I was like, what is Terrence talking about? <laughs> yeah, she could be like a, yeah, like a fermented kombucha and they make like basil and mint and rose kombucha so she could be like it's almost just like a richer flavor ah okay see i'm not that far off the mark there you go yeah so that is how we play flavors of potter we have just a few updates uh before the end of the show today um and actually these updates are coming out of drawbridge media uh, just the other day, Luke and Melissa had their 2020 State of the Imaginary Legion address, and we encourage everybody to go check that out on the Drawbridge Media YouTube channel. And it's where they give the state of the, it's like a mini State of the Union address for uh, the different shows that Drawbridge Media has and what the plans are going forward and what people can expect. Uh, so please, I invite you to go check that out. Again, youtube.com slash drawbridgemedia. And uh, finally, uh, I wanted to ask, like, do we have any projects? Are you guys doing anything outside of Hogwarts Radio and your muggle life that you're passionate about, that you're, you know, it's a, it's a little passion project um, that you're doing? Like, are you have a blog? Anybody have, like, a Twitter account that we don't know about? Now's the time to talk about that. A secret Twitter accounts. Ooh. Uh, well, personally, I, I've had a book review blog for many, many years since I was in college, and recently I've kind of fallen off the wagon and haven't posted a review in who knows how many months. Uh, but by the time this episode is posted, there will be a new review up, and with any luck, I will have one at least one every other week going forward. You can check it out at riddlesreviews.com. Cool. Sydney, you have anything that you would like for folks to check out? I don't have any fancy blog or anything like that, unless, <laughs> you know, people want to read the stories that I post on my Twitter, which is always wonderful. You might not uh, know what's going on, but I will implore you or encourage everybody to uh, sign up for a subscription if they can afford it with their, their local news media. I will uh, never miss a book. Uh, miss an opportunity to encourage people to to read their local news and connect with their local reporters. There's a, a lot going on right now and uh, journalists need your support and we can keep you informed. So I would suggest uh, checking out your, your local newspaper, if you will. Wonderful, wonderful. And Gretchen, the news team manager for MuggleNet.com. Do you, do you do you do anything else outside of MuggleNet and Hogwarts Radio? <laughs> it seems like full-time no. job. It's a full-time <laughs> job, really. It is. Yeah, I, I was going to say I don't have much else going on besides MuggleNet, um, but I have been reading a lot. I'm already at like 40 books for the year because quarantine wow. is 
given me plenty of time to read. So I do try to post a good amount of reviews on the MuggleNet blog. So I just posted one for um, A Song of Wraiths and Ruin by Roseanne A. Brown. And that is a really awesome fantasy. It's kind of like the fourth Harry Potter book. Like there's challengers who are trying to like compete for a prize. Um, but there's a lot of magic and lore and betrayal and it's just really really cool story so my review for that is up at blog.mugglenet.com if you want to check that out and get that book um but yeah just check out mugglenet that's where i'm at check out my twitter cool stuff and i really don't have anything uh hogwarts radio takes up most of my time so outside of work and hogwarts radio uh leave a lead a pretty boring uh, COVID-free life. So that is it, you guys. Well, a huge thank you to the panel for the pleasure of their company this evening. Ladies, it's always so much fun to podcast with each and every single one of you. And really, apologies to the Disney cast members that are listening in on their shift. <laughs> but we are all out of time this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Terrence Pinkston. I'm Bailey Riddle. I'm Gretchen Rush. And I'm Sydney Moore. And we'll be back next week for episode 264. Bye bye bye. That was bloody brilliant. Cards wallop.